Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. today, guys, we are starting a new sermon series, and it's called Being Jesus. Um, and um, it was, I was mentioning earlier that it's just it's such a beautiful scripture passage for us to kick things off, especially with, especially with baptisms today. Um, so we're reading out of Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, if you want to follow along. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right. Hey, guys. I'm not preaching today. We actually have a guest speaker. And speaking of the global gift, Our local gift goes to supporting church plants, churches that we help plant, churches that we help train, uh, and and yeah, it's it's a really awesome thing of what we do, guys. We are we are about uh, we'll be we'll celebrate six years old as a church in September. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, which is really which is really awesome, and we've helped plant three churches already. Like that's. That's, yeah, celebrate that. That's really good, right? Um, and, and so Mikey and Jesse are here. Jesse, can you come up here? Is that okay? Is your baby sleeping? Okay. And, and they have their baby. But this is, why don't you guys come on up here? This is Mikey and Jesse Filichikia. I got that right, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is like Philly, I don't know how to say their, yeah. So um, they are planting a church this summer on, in, into the fall on U of T's campus. So I want to officially introduce them to you guys. Our church is partnering with them. Uh, Mikey and Jesse have gone through training with us. Uh, we've known each other, is it, is it, has it been two or three years? Two years? Yeah, their first time with us was at a Good Friday service. Yeah, two years ago. That's right. And so they've been hanging around. They've brought in some of their team. Their team has helped us on, on worship. You may have seen Jesse on the Cajon a few weeks ago. And uh, so we're going to be partnering with them in the city. Our BLGs are partnering with each person on their team. So we can be a prayer support, a logistics support, just a support in the city as they, as they move in. So Mikey's going to share with us out of this passage this morning. And I just want you guys to see their faces um, and so you can, you know who they are and you can talk to them about what they're doing. But then also in June, the first week, they're going to be here with their entire team and we're going to do something with their entire team as well. Honored to be here with you guys. You guys are a beautiful church. I like you guys a lot. Don't really know why Mike entrusted me with this. Um, I know you might, you might regret it. I can't make you not, I just... Ask for mercy for me. I heard there's already one person's life verse at least, so I'm like, not worthy. Um, so uh, so I'm, I'm excited to intro this series for you all, Being Jesus, especially because 
This really resonates with my own story. It was actually the church being Jesus that brought about incredible transformation in my own life. Um, and I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about that story. Uh, you guys are going through a series in Romans 12, and it's called uh, Being Jesus. And I'm kicking off this, this first part here that's called Be Transformed, and that comes from the very first uh, verses in Romans 12. And I want us to take a look at them. They were already, Missy already read them for you. Um, I roll NIV, uh, you know, because liberal. Uh, so... Um, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I want to, um, yeah, 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 cool. Uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I just want to point out one thing that should strike you as maybe a little weird about this passage if you sort of slow down a step uh, to, to read it carefully. Um, and the first thing is that, <clears throat> um, isn't it strange that Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice? Now, the more natural reading, right, would be as living sacrifices. Put your body on the altar. Each of you has your own sacrifice. But he actually says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He sees the church coming together here to make one offering to God. And now go to the next one too. Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Shouldn't he be saying minds, right? All of you be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Um, and in fact, transformed there uh, is, is in the plural. You know, most languages when you conjugate verbs, there's plural. <laughs> English, man. Uh, and, but, but be transformed is plural and yet mind is singular. It's kind of wild, isn't it? And so Paul has it in mind here uh, that together, he's talking about cultural renewal, corporate renewal in the church, that we, our collective mind in Jesus would be renewed. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about being transformed and its relational implications, especially as a church body, okay? I'm going to give you guys uh, two stories today of how I experienced transformation in my own life. So story number one, driving in the car, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm 13 years old at this point, okay? And I'm just exploring Jesus. What? No, I'm not driving. Sorry, I'm riding passenger in the car. I'm man, just I'm an amateur. Okay, Mike's a professional preacher. He didn't even need one of these things, right? He's just like off the dome. I'm like, I need notes. It's on a phone, man. I don't even I don't even know how to preach properly. Okay, so. I'm riding passenger in this car that my father is driving. He's driving me to youth group, okay? So this, I'm exploring Jesus for the first time. 13 years old, going to this youth group. Kind of freaked out because, you know, awkward kids. I don't know these people. They're not even from my neighborhood. They're a little weird. They're really conservative. And I, I was like, you know, I, I, was, I was raised in a home. My mom is gay, married to a woman. And I, but I was exploring Jesus. And all these, like, you know, the... the, the it was in a very conservative area. So anyway, I'm freaked out. I'm like, these kids are going to hate me, whatever. I'm, just, I'm reading my Bible. I'm like, I got to prep, right? And I got it. It's this Zondervan teen study Bible, okay? And I'm 13, and I'm judging this Bible, right? It's, like, it's got these little inserts where it's like, what did Jesus say to the Samaritan woman? And I'm like, y'all should have called this like the five-year-old study Bible. This is dumb. Ask hard questions. I got good scores on my standardized tests. Um, so... I have a lot of ego, and I'm reading this, but Jesus transformed me in this moment. I'm going to give you some words from Jesus that I read. If you want to flip to it in your own Bibles, you can. This is Mark 2, 
15 to 17. It was, a tr- it was a moment of transformation in my mind. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In that moment, I remember pausing. I was like, and I remember thinking to my middle school cafeteria, okay? And I asked myself the question, have I ever seen this? Have I ever seen someone sit with the lonely and the losers just to heal them, just to love them? No other motive. And I thought, no, I've never seen that, not once. Not only have I never seen that, I can't even conceive of it. I can't imagine the person who would do it. That person had to be imagined for me. And in that moment, I, just, I realized in a supernatural way, by God's grace, Jesus is holy. And he is God. Because no one else would sit with them. No one else would sit with them for no other motive than love. And my mind was renewed, and I wanted to be like Jesus. I wanted no other motive but love in my own life. And that moment set me on a course in many ways to profess Jesus as Lord, to be baptized like some of you are going to be today, uh, which, what a joyous occasion. And, 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 and I thought about that, right, and I just thought, so, so much of us, so many of us, in our flesh, really all of us, don't we have this sort of wild constellation of motives? I was just thinking about, well, well why do I eat with the people I eat with? I thought, well, I want to I be affirmed. I want to be seen with them. I want to develop the right reputation. Um, I want to be understood. I want to be with people, my people, my culture, right? Where we kind of, we get each other and I feel understood. And I thought, you know, that's not just me, right? That's, that's us. That's all of us. We have all these self-centered constellation of motives for why we do what we do. But Jesus was holy because he was a one-motive man. He had a motive of love, and that was it. And so all the, the crazy the constellation of motives that go into mind, uh, he, he lived from a singular motive of love. And that was what revealed his holiness to me. So then it's a question of, okay, so this, this renewing of your minds um, that we see in, in, in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Collective, right? Um, what does it mean? And, and I think it means a ton of things, but I just want to focus on one aspect of the meaning that was such a revelation to me, which is to be renewed in your mind is to have every motivation but love stripped away. It's the, purific- it's the purification of our motives. It, to be renewed in your mind is to become a one-motive person. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about living from one motive? And that motive was to benefit the other? Now, uh, this, I think this comes with the territory of like having taken a couple Bible classes, but it's, I have this thing where you know how there's like the angel and the devil on like each shoulder, right? Well, I think this comes with, like, the Bible college. Or, I didn't go to Bible. I, I'm in seminary right now. I'm not even done, people. Um, and I had this, like, little thing on my, on my shoulder. Like, I had this insight, right, where I was like, oh, 
renewing of your mind. That's like every other motive but love being stripped away so that you could be like Jesus. And it comes with the territory of seminary, but I have this like, like reformed theologian on my shoulder, right? That's always critiquing all my biblical insights. I don't know if it's like John Calvin or Jonathan Edwards or John Piper, but it is an old white guy named John, okay? And he's critiquing all my insights, and I hate it. And, and so John is like, whoa, 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 buddy. It's the stripping away of all their motivations of love. What's this liberal psycho babble, man? Isn't, isn't, isn't to be transformed in the renewing mind about the glory of God? Um, and, and I thought about I said, first of all, love is the greatest commandment, number one and two, from Jesus. So take it up with Jesus, not me, John, okay? And secondly, I, I was like, that's actually a good point. Let me think about that. Uh, and I thought about it a little bit, and I thought, wait, is there, is there any greater way to glorify God than to live exactly as he lives in his relational style, which is love? Because you have to ask the question, Jesus, where did he get this? Where did he get this one motive, living and loving? And he got it in the Trinity life. See what I did there, y'all? But think about it. I know, right? But it's like, where did he learn this? Where did Jesus get like this? But actually, he was like this in eternity past. Right? Constantly loving the Father and bringing him honor and glory. Right? Not to do things for himself. Bending himself to the Father's will and, and seeking to glorify him. Right? So Jesus had been eating with these kind of people, so to speak, for eternity. He'd been living from a pure ethic of love his whole life and eternity past. And so that is where he started. And that's what he transforms us into. Okay, story number two. It's 2008 at this point. And this is eight years later. So that first, you guys, you guys figure out how old I am if you want to do math. But uh, 2008, this is the summer before my fourth year at university. And I'm at this conference. And I'm wrestling with what do I do with my life. And I was like, you know, at this point, I'd, like, I'd made a couple disciples and baptized them. And I thought this is amazing. I started this like small church in my residence hall at my university. And I was just like, I love ministry. I love doing this stuff. But at the same time, I also love data analysis. And uh, I have these, like, Wall Street job offers with way more money than I know what to do with. And I was like, well, what do I, what do, I do? And truth be told, you can do both. I just didn't have the wisdom to, like, figure that out. <laughs> I literally, at this giant lecture hall, I was like, and this was for, like, investment banking. I raised my hand. And I was like, hey, can a person do this, like, part-time? Okay, there's, like, 600 people in this lecture hall. And literally the whole crowd started laughing. Okay, so I was like, I don't, okay, apparently that's a dumb question. Uh, I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand, you know, I was like, can I do ministry on the side? And people are like, ha, 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 you lose your soul in this line of work, you know? So, anyway, um, so, so I didn't have the wisdom to figure it out. So I'm wrestling with God, like, what do I do with my life? And so transformation moment number two is I'm at this conference, we're worshiping to this song, God of the City by Chris Tomlin. And they're showing these cityscapes up from across the world, you know, Bangkok and Cairo uh, and Stockholm and Rio de Janeiro. And I'm like, and that, I just broke. I just broke in tears because I thought about, I knew the numbers enough. I know so many of these cities with millions and millions of people, but the gospel witness is just, it's in the thousands for these millions of people. And I just broke over these cities because I was like, who, how are they all going to see the gospel like, I've seen it with, with flesh and blood on in the church. How are they going to see a, a gospel witness 
of, of a church, a one ethic of love people living like Jesus, holy in their place, how are they going to experience that? And I couldn't, I couldn't not do something about it. And it was really in that moment where I thought, I, I want to give the gift of churches to these cities. Just gospel witness, just pictures of Jesus to these cities. And I don't know how to do it. I can't be in all the cities. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what that, I just want to. And it was the second moment of transformation where, like in that first one, where I just wanted to have that one motive of love, that one ethic of love in my life. I didn't want all the other motivations. It was the same thing. It was like the Wall Street, the, you know, provide, you need to like have all this money and have all this status. Like those things were just stripped away. And I just wanted to love those cities, nothing else. I just wanted to love those people who I hadn't even met. I wanted them to have a gospel witness. And I didn't know what to do with that, but, you know, 11 years later, I'm taking my first step to do that, right? To bring gospel witness to a global city. And that's where we are today. That's, that's, that's why I'm here with you guys this morning, is because God, in time, has done that, something with that, and he's transformed me in my life. So um, we are going to get to share two special practices this morning. Uh, Trinity Life, uh, and these are practices, uh, communion and baptism, that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. Isn't that crazy? 2,000 some years, Christians have been doing these two things we're going to do today, and they do them to proclaim the goodness of Jesus, to remember him, and to participate with him in what he's doing today, not just to remember what he's done in the past. And I want to say one thing, for those of you getting baptized this morning, I, I want to invite you to consider that as you get in that water and, and there's death to your old self, part of what getting in that water is, is the, uh, the, the stripping away of and the putting every other motivation but love before Jesus. You see, these died to me today. All the other things I would have, could have lived for, worship, thought would bring me hope, thought would bring me security, those get left in the water today. <laughs> and... What's, and, and I'm rising with Jesus to be a one motive person, right? To, to love God, to love my neighbor, and to be transformed into Jesus. And I have no other motive. I have no other motivation. That's who I am now. This is what we proclaim in baptism. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, brother. Um, and, and, and in the communion table... Right? We come up and we proclaim that, that right, this blood has cleansing power. So we've been cleansed of our sins. Um, and and we, 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 take, we take the bread, we take the, the, the juice. And we, and we say there was power in his death to cleanse us from all our sin. And now, and not only are we remembering that fact, but we're participating with him now by taking him in. And saying, I still need you now. Because this other crap still comes up. Right? I have all these other motivations. I need to be renewed in my one motiveness. I need to be renewed to become like Jesus. I need to feast on you. Um, and so uh, you, you're invited to, to come forth and, and receive communion. Um, this is for those who have entrusted their lives to Jesus. And I just want you to know that those who have entrusted their lives to Jesus... Um, if, this, if taking this communion today would be the first time that you actually took any kind of step to entrust your life to Jesus, uh, you're welcome. You're welcome at this table. Consider that Jesus would eat with you, right? And so you're welcome to his table um, if this would even be your first step of saying, I want to trust Jesus with my life.
So uh, as we do so, um, you guys are, whoever kind of is like running the community station is cool. We can get going in that direction right now. But I want to invite you all to do one thing today to sort of live out and maybe practice and start on this one motive life, this transformation of the stripping away, the purification of our ulterior motives. I want you to think of a situation in your life right now. Um, and and, and I, th- I want you to think of especially of one that might be related to a brother or sister in this room, right? Because Paul was telling the church, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he had in mind their collective consciousness. I want you to think of a situation in your life right now where your mind is preoccupied or anxious. Or maybe you're feeling the toll of the battle of those motives. And it's, it's, it's causing you this, this back and forth. Um, and, and, and something that's causing you mental tension or turmoil right now. It's occupying your thoughts. I want, I want you to call that to mind right now. And I want you to name quietly before the Lord. You do it silently. You could just whisper to yourself. But I want you to name silently with the Lord. One, one by one as they come to your mind. Every motivation that you have, that is not the motivation of love. To love your neighbor. And I want you to surrender those to Jesus. And to lay them down before him. And to invite him to transform your mind to be a one motive person here. See, Jesus, take these other ones away. I just want... I want to bring goodness to the person in front of me. And I want you to eliminate the other stuff. In fact, I want to trust you with all the other stuff, the stuff that I need. So confess them to Jesus one by one. This is the renewing of your mind. And as you're ready, you can kind of step up and sort of move to your right and come and take communion. Thanks, everyone. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.